let's talk about your commute home and more importantly, fueling up. I don't know if you've noticed, but gas prices have been inching up again. Uh, there's been, there was a significant drop, as you recall, over the November and December period. I think it was about 11 cents a litre. Uh, it's about a buck seventy. I think this morning as I was driving in. I certainly thought better days for 2023 when I was thinking about um, that 11 cent drop in December. Well, today I saw an article saying gas prices could potentially hit as high as $2 and 65 cents a litre by the summer right here in Metro Vancouver. When you see numbers like that, I thought it was time to catch up with our uh, good friend Dan McTagg. He's the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. He always uh, sets us straight. Dan, thank you for joining us today. Joe, good to be here. Thank you. So walk me through. It was just one newspaper article, but I wanted to get your lay of the land. Are we headed towards uh, higher, significantly higher prices? I think we're heading towards higher permanent prices, not significantly where you have a situation where it you know moves up to two sixty five and then comes right down. I think two fifty is a number that I'm starting to think is uh, within the realm of possibility as far as uh, more average so two forty two fifty rather than you know the sort of sudden dramatic increase to that level now of course, there are a number of variables and too many to count, but you know pipeline disruption south of the border. Uh, higher taxes, uh, including carbon taxes, uh, and of course a uh, continuation in what has been a long, long story of and drawn out back and forth battle jazz of you know uh, inventories uh, for gasoline for oil being somewhat lower uh, than uh, than ideal, and so that puts you know the potential for those prices to move up uh, from where they are now, the you know low one eighties. By the way, we're getting a two cent increase overnight to 182.9. Another two cent increase to about 184.9 come Sunday. So just be aware of that. Getting back to two dollars a liter is a no-brainer, likely to happen over the next uh, two or three weeks. That fast? Yeah, I think uh, markets are starting to realize that uh, they've run out of excuses. You can't continue to think there's you know, demand destruction out there. Uh, uh, U.S. Fed uh, interest rates rising. Uh, you know, COVID lockdowns in China, all of these things uh, have really had the proverbial bears running the show over the past few months. But again, fundamentally, there is a distinct reality that there is a shortage or at least tightness in global supplies of crude, diesel, and to a lesser extent, gasoline. We're also heading into maintenance uh, season. A lot of refineries are going to be starting to, you know, take less oil, start to produce less fuel, and, of course, uh, we could start to see prices moving up. I'm not thinking radically, but by the end of the month, uh, at least, uh, you know, very feasibly, another 10 cents a litre, uh, quiet for February, and then March, April, and May, uh, that major, you know, 30 cent, 35, maybe even 40 cent increase, especially given that there's variables that we are not able to predict. You know, does the Trans Mountain Pipeline existing one shut down for a period of time does the cologne does the sorry the uh, olympic pipeline go through longer expected maintenance do we have one or two refinery upsets we've talked about that you and i so many times mm-hmm. uh you know south of the border any of these could uh, could drive price up 265 i think that's uh, that's an outlier i'm not sure where it comes from i hope it's not for me because i certainly didn't say it would go that high but permanent uh you know for the very remainder of the year i see two dollars a liter here in Vancouver as the new normal. Uh, 
we have had at least a, a reduction in the inflation rate in December. A lot of that was driven by not food prices coming down in any significant way. I think it actually went up by 0.3%. It was actually gasoline and oil prices, oil and gas prices dropping at that time. Uh, when you tell me that we're heading, heading to $2 a litre and potentially higher as we get into the summer and uh, months or so, that's not going to help remotely when it comes to our fight against inflation. No, it, it's not helpful at all. But the uh, silver lining for me has been, uh, you know, the, the lone and solitary voice saying the connection between higher inflation and higher interest rates has a lot to do with the cost of energy. Most notably, the energy that we all think we can transition away from, but which the world is going to want a lot more of. And, you know, people don't have to like what I have to say, um, but they can't ignore the always, uh, you know, uh, uh, ready to talk about stopping the production of fossil fuels. International Energy Agency, the Royal Bank. Uh, I saw something uh, from Jody, which is the uh, the uh, OPEX uh, analysis arm. Uh, and I would have to even sort of underline that, underscore that with the Energy Information Agency of the United States Department of Energy saying, look, uh, we are going to see global demand hit 102 million barrels a day uh, from where it is now, about 99 to uh, you know 100 million barrels used a day. The world is going to be using more, not less hydrocarbons. And I think it's just something we're going to have to get used to as uh, developing parts of the world are uh, saying uh, we want in, we want to enjoy, and uh, the only way to get there is using uh, you know products like diesel, jet fuel, uh, stove oil, furnace oil, uh, natural gas, and the like. Uh, we've talked about Ukraine and, and sort of the geopolitical disruption that's out there, but one could argue that a lot of this is also just structural, that a, we haven't built refineries, enough refineries in this country. We have been, as you say, trying to get rid of the oil and gas industry a lot faster than, than actually, that we actually need. I mean, it, it, to say, at the end of the day, we still rely on natural gas. We still rely on fossil fuels. It's going to take a long time to make that energy transition. It, it, do, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes decades and decades and decades. A lot of this, to me, seems, forget about Ukraine, just incredibly, um, it's it's, it's self-inflicted and structural. Yes, I would say the past eight or nine years has seen a significant, deliberate uh, attempt at divesting, uh, removing under so-called ESG mandates, environmental, social, and governance uh, moves to, as it were, you know, discourage um, those who are investing in and those who are producing. Uh, the kind of products that the world continues not just to need now, but is going to need it for the foreseeable future. And, of course, the next few years are demonstrating that. So here you have a policy, uh, a belief that we can do without, that we should do without. And yet, uh, you know, people are voting with their <laughs> with their, uh, their vehicles, with their jets, with their rail, with their vessels on the high seas. This is not going to go away anytime soon. And I think the sooner we begin to accept the reality that uh, the transition is, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70 years rather than trying to, you know, to put a date in the minds of everyone and say we have to meet that come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it would make it a lot easier, I think, and less disruptive and less 
uh, less costly for Canadians to be able to manage. But uh, these mandates are extraordinarily expensive. And uh, however, we like the divestment has had a negative impact on the bottom line for the entire global economy. Now, many people have argued, this is just going to go off, uh, it's not, we're, not, we're still talking about gas prices, but some of those gas prices are based on carbon taxes, in which you have talked about uh, uh, today and you have talked about in the past as well. Do you think that we should be putting a price on carbon? Uh, I mean, I, many have said this is the best way to do things, although in this environment, uh, it, it's very tough for um, motorists to swallow. Do you think we should still be heading in that direction in regards to having a carbon tax, never mind increasing it or freezing it or decreasing it, do you think there is still a value to a carbon tax? No, because it doesn't work. Carbon emissions are not dropping. And of course, we're talking COVID lockdowns, as we've seen in Canada. But to achieve a 7% drop in, uh, in, you know, in our emissions uh, during the period of COVID basically means we have to shut down our entire economy. And I mean, nothing moves. You should just stay at home, uh, use your electric stove, um, you know, and... Uh, hope that we're not using any type of uh, products or energy derived from, uh, you know, gas or oil. Uh, I think it would be a far better move, and I think Europeans have suggested this given their experience now with the war in Ukraine, that we have to see natural gas as a transition, um, as a transition fuel, like it or not. These are the things that are going to help you reduce your so-called carbon footprint. Uh, I don't think it's helpful to Canadians to beat themselves up uh, and or less pretend that driving an electric vehicle is somehow carbon-free. We know that the production is extraordinarily damaging to the environment, whether that be the battery, whether that be the uh, the acids that are used or the processing uh, in, in creating a, a battery. Uh, we also know that you know solar panels, uh, uh, we also know that uh, windmills, none of those things occur without ex- exceedingly intense amounts of processing, production, extraction, mining, all of which require a lot the use of a lot more fossil fuels so i think we're kidding ourselves when we think well we can you know simply ban the internal combustion engine uh, blame that as the reason we have a higher you know a degree of carbon out there but we also i think the bigger point let's get more of our natural gas to you know places in the world that are going to be a threat and continue to raise the amount of carbon that they emit china that's not pointing fingers you know the china's the indonesia's mm-hmm. uh, of course uh, india and, and and the list goes on so i think that's where canada can play an important role we have a prime minister that says oh no we haven't got anything for you uh you know we might be able to provide you some technologies on minerals japan just in case you want to you know for your batteries or we tell the germans that uh, we'll give them hydrogen i think that's just uh, that's just you know very poor optics and uh, followed by very poor public policy i think the prime minister missed a golden opportunity because Australia, Oman, Qatar, United States, our friends to the South are only too happy to hear that kind of nonsense because uh, they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to make billions of dollars in, uh, in economic activity that we have uh, simply foregone as a result of our wokeness. Yeah, you're absolutely right in regards to uh, the six more LNG plants planned in the United States. Uh, just just in that country alone, they've already built seven and they were started with zero just like us at about 2012, I believe. Dan, thank you for your time. Jazz, it's a pleasure. Have a great weekend.